We are in Torah Chaf, Se'iv Dalid, in the Kutim Haran, Torah 20, part 4. And this Torah is called Tish'a Tikunim, the nine rectifications of the beard from the third chapter in Sifra Ditsniyuta in the Zohar. And the Zohar describes to us the nine points, nine rectifications in the beard, uh, so to speak, uh, metaphorically speaking, of Ze'er Anpin. And from this, Rabbi Nachman teaches us, based on this Zohar, Rabbi Nachman shows us how the descriptions that the Zohar gives us of the nine points in the beard are really nine parts of a formula, a very important formula. It's the formula of the aspects that are needed in order to bring us out of, from, through the desert, out of Egypt, through the desert, in order to bring us finally to, uh, to live, to live, settle and live, dwell and settle and live in the land of Israel, in Eretz Israel, the land of eternal life. And we said that this is a formula that applies to each one of us because each one of us goes through this journey in our own lives. Okay, and so up until now, Rabbi Nachman introduced to us some of these aspects, and he explained to us that there is a soul in this world that is the source of all the Torah explanations for the whole generation. And the Torah explanations are metaphorically described as the wellspring of Miriam. Okay, it's the wellspring of living waters that, that quenches the deepest thirst of our soul and gives us life okay and so this soul that is the source of all these explanations of torah for the whole for the whole generation is called miriam as well and she's called miriam because she lives a life without any attachments to the physical pleasures of this world and so on the outside it seems like uh, she's living a bitter life and miriam the name the word miriam means bitterness mar is bitter in Hebrew. And what happens is, says Rabbi Nachman, that her, this soul, her words must be impassioned with a fiery passion and excitement and enthusiasm about the power and the significance and the, and the wonder how awesome are these words of Torah. They come from the highest of the highest worlds. They are really, they are the consciousness, so to speak, of Hashem, the creator of all. They are the essence of life. Okay, and that, that awareness, that recognition brings us to a tremendous impassioned enthusiasm. And so the words are infused with this passion, with this enthusiasm, with this fiery passion. Okay, and we said that this is the holy fire that extinguishes the unholy fire. There's an unholy fire that causes death, that devours everything in its path, destroys and devours and kills. And um, there's on the other side, there is in the side of holiness, there is also a fire, which it's like the fire in the burning bush that the fire is there, but it doesn't devour, it doesn't kill, it doesn't destroy. To the contrary, it gives life. 
It's a fire of warmth, warmth, the heat and the passion of liveliness, of excitement, of um, of adventure, of 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 novelty of life, the novelty of life in each present moment. And so the words of Miriam, the wellspring of the Torah that is drawn forth to the generation through Miriam, her words must be in this state. Okay, they must be in this fiery passionate state infused with this fiery passion boiling hot in, with this fiery passion okay and that is also dependent on the approach and the attitude of the generation to her words to these words of Torah because if they are indifferent with a cold apathetic indifference to these words of Torah they will cause that fire of to be extinguished and says Rabbi Nachman, when that fire is extinguished, so then the Miriam passes away. And when she passes away, when she leaves the state of living in this physical world, then all of those explanations of the Torah, that Be'er Shel Miriam, the wellspring of Miriam, is also lost. And the generation is left without any of those explanations. And those explanations were really the source of peace. They were the source of harmony and order in the world. Okay, because they answered questions. They answered our deepest questions. And they answered all the questions that we have consciously or unconsciously. And we explained that all the questions that we have are really the source of quarrels. They're the source of unrest. They're the source of chaos. They are the source of disagreement between people because you disagree and you have a quarrel because of a question that you have on that person and that person argues back because of a question they have on you but when these questions in our consciousness are answered okay then we are brought back to a state of order of harmony of peace of mutual understanding um of unity of oneness and so when those explanations of the torah were taken away, when Miriam passed away, when she leaves the experience of life among us in this generation, and all of those explanations of the Torah are lost as well, then the generation is missing those answers to those questions. And all of a sudden there are these arguments and these quarrels and this chaos and this disorder in the world, and especially, says Rabbi Nachman, against the leaders of the generation. And that's how we see in the Midbar, in the desert, the generation, the people, they came and they argued and they complained to Moshe and Aaron, why did you take us out of Egypt? You misled us to, in this desert, to this place, to die. Why? Why? And so they're complaining and they're arguing. And these are the people, they're called the Morim. The students of Miriam are called the Morim. They have the name Morim. Sounds like Miriam because they're the students of Miriam. Okay, um, and part of their argument, part of the part of the fact that they're called students, part of the fact that they're called morim, that the students are called morim, is because they are morim et morim, as the Medrash tells us, that they teach their teachers, because the teacher learns the most from his students. But these people now that they are lacking those explanations of the Torah, the wellsprings of Miriam, they are now arguing on Moshe and Aharon. 
And now Rabbi Nachman moves on to explain to us a little bit on how this applies to us, each one of us. He says that uh, this soul that brings forth the explanations of the Torah, okay, whenever he wants to bring forth these explanations, draw forth the springs of living water, of which is the Torah for the generation, these insights which come from such a transcendent place that they answer all the problems found within this dimension, within the state, the, the state of consciousness of the problems. First, he needs to open up his heart, says Rabbi Nachman. That's the first step. He needs to open up his heart and from that place to turn to Hashem, to the heavenly supernal heart in prayer. And when he does so, and to the extent that he does so, the heavenly supernal heart is also open towards him and these words are drawn forth to him words of prayer and through that these words of the explanations of the torah are drawn to him these living waters are drawn forth to him to that soul uh, from that heavenly heart the supernal heart which is called the rock the rock of the heart or the heart rock it's not as hard it's not a heart and it's not an animate like a regular rock it's infinitely supportive like a rock but at the same time soft and compassionate more soft and more compassionate than the most uh, than infinitely more soft and infinitely more compassionate than any heart in, in existence in the world in the universe in all of history okay and that heart is opened up to the open heart of the of the tzaddik of the soul that it wants to bring forth these explanations of the Torah, and through that, through his prayer, through that heartfelt prayer. And what is a heartfelt prayer? A heartfelt prayer has a few components to it. Heartfelt prayer means that there is no coercing, there's no pushing, there's no demanding from Hashem. There is a request that is connected to the awareness of this pain this sadness this emptiness inside of me in my heart that is felt inside my heart when that aliveness the liveliness of my soul is lacking and i can feel the sadness of that lack the sadness of that emptiness the sadness and the pain of that lack the sadness and the empty of the pain of that emptiness and from there i turn to hashem with appealing to Hashem's natural giving. So I'm not coming with my uh, demands. I'm not saying, oh, well, you should answer my prayer and you should give me what I'm asking for because I've had all these merits and because I've lived my life in such a pure and holy way. None of that is happening here. A pure, heartfelt prayer is coming without any demands. Okay, and that's what we see the Gemara Midrash. Rashi brings this. When Moshe prays to Hashem, uh, Rashi tells us that the characteristic of the tzaddikim is never to pray because of their merits. Oh, well, Hashem, you should give me this. You need to give me this because I deserve it. I'm worthy of it. No, their prayers are always they're always appealing to Hashem's, uh, Hashem's infinite, unconditional love, infinite, unconditional giving. That's what they're appealing to. And that's also one of the descriptions that the Zohar gives us of the prayer that's called the prayer of a, 
of someone who is poor. The poor man's prayer. Tfilah le'ani, David HaMelech calls it. Tfilah le'ani ki ya'atof. The Zohar explains that that pasuk means that the prayer of the poor man is more powerful and it goes up to the high heavens, to the greatest, deepest place more and greater than any of the other prayers that exist. And what does it mean, a prayer of a poor man? What does that mean, the poor man's prayer? So you must be a poor man to, to, to pray in this way. And every poor man that prays, this is how this is called, a poor man's prayer. The poor man's prayer is a prayer, if you would imagine metaphorically, what hap- when a poor man is at the door, he doesn't have anything to coerce he cannot coerce the man, the, the, the owner of the house to give him money. He cannot coerce the man that opens up the door to him to give him money. He is there just appealing to the natural giving. Okay, you know, this is my situation. Please help me if you would. It's not you should, it's if you would. Please help me. I, I can't coerce you. Obviously, he knows that. That's the consciousness here. The awareness here, I can't force you. I'm not forcing you. You know, if you would beg and he would, if he, if he would coerce and try to guilt him into giving, then that's that's a different type of prayer. Right? That's not really a poor man's prayer. A poor man's prayer is coming from appealing to the natural giving. That's a heartfelt prayer, and that's how the tzaddik prays. This is the soul that wants to draw forth the explanations of the Torah is praying in this way. Okay, appealing to the natural giving from the heart. And when he does so, so then these words of prayer, when that awareness is there, when that consciousness is there, when that heart-centered connectedness, em- empathic connection is established, then natural giving happens and the words are drawn forth from the heavenly heart. He becomes a channel for these words. And so his prayer is also channeled. The words of his prayer is also channeled. And then the explanations of the Torah are also channeled. Um, and those explanations are drawn uh, through him to the students, to the Talmudim. And that answers all their questions and brings back order, brings back harmony, brings back peace and pleasantness. And so Rabbi Nachman explains to us that there's a very, that first of all, we know that this applies to each one of us when we want to draw forth explanations of the Torah. That if we want to really draw forth those deeper explanations, this is the process we would go through. This type of heartfelt prayer to Hashem, opening up our heart, it doesn't have to take so long. It could take just even a minute or a couple of seconds, a half a minute. If you know how to really get into that state, it could take a couple of seconds uh, to tune in, to connect from that place. Then Rabbi Nachman explains to us that there's a tremendous significance in uh going to hear Torah directly from the tzaddik, being there, being part of the con- congregation, the people that have congregated surrounding the tzaddik to hear Torah from him live, now, right now, as opposed to hearing the Torah afterwards of what the tzaddik explained in the name of the tzaddik, or maybe what is written down afterwards. What's the significance of that, says Rabbi Nachman, that when the tzaddik gives the Torah uh, and he goes through this process of praying, of of appealing to the heavenly supernal heart for these explanations of the Torah, he does so in connection to the souls of all those that have surrounded him to receive that water, to receive those living waters of the Torah. And so if you are there, says Rabbi Nachman, then you 
your soul has been connected to that sadiq and now through this connection you have a part you are contributing to the channeling of that torah to bringing down that torah to the world and that's a whole different level says rebinah then rebinah also explains to us the tremendous significance of the amount of people that are there surrounding the tzaddik when he goes through this process rebinah says that that there's a big difference between if a person goes through this process and he wants to draw down these explanations of torah for his own self for his own learning for just for himself uh than when if he's doing it in connection to all of his students in connection to the nation to the congregants that have now surrounded him that want to receive from those living waters that want to receive those those explanations of the torah because we know this rule that hen el kabir lo imas that Hashem never refuses the prayer that comes from a whole congregation together with a unified intention with a connected heart and this is something Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai explains to us we have it in the Gemara uh, the power of the eighth ratzon okay and the willingness of the supernal heart uh, at certain times and when is the when are those times one of those times are when all the congregants are praying Okay, Mishashat Sibu Mitpalilim says Rabbi Shimon Barakai, that's an et ratzon. And so says Rabbi Nachman, when the Tzavi goes through this process of this prayer before drawing down the Torah, and he does so, and there's a whole congregation there, and in connection to that whole congregation, he prays to Hashem, then such a prayer is considered a Tfilat Tzibur. Okay, this is a prayer of a congregation. And the unified hearts, the unified intention, connected hearts of this whole congregation empower the holiness surrounding the supernal heart to such a degree, to such a tremendous degree, that that heart is uh, awakened. It's awakened and opened up to that same degree of the empowerment of the holiness of that heart, of that place. So to the extent and to the degree that there are more people surrounding the tzaddik and, the connect, and connected in that prayer, that will, to that extent, increase the power of holiness, the empowerment of holiness surrounding that heart, and empowerment of holiness in that place. And that will increase, to that extent, will be increased the awakening and the opening up of that supernal heart. And that will increase the quantity and quality to that extent of the Torah that will be drawn forth, of the water that will be drawn forth and channeled through this tzaddik. Okay? And that's what we got up to inside. Now we're in middle of part four. Now Rabbi Nachman tells us something else that is happening through this process for all the people that have congregated there to be with the tzaddik. So we've understood one level of the benefits and the significance of being present. Why? Because you are contributing to bringing down that Torah. By you being there, now that there's an extra person, now that you are there, you are contributing to the quantity and the quality of the Torah that will be drawn forth, that will be drawn down. Okay, but now Rabbi Nachman has explained to us another benefit also that happens through being there, being present. Okay, and that's what he says here. Gam Okay, 
he says that all the people that have congregated surrounding the tzaddik to receive the Torah from him, the any negativity within them, any spiritual blemish or spiritual deficiency, a deficiency in their connection to Hashem, a deficiency in the fulfillment of Torah and mitzvot, a deficiency in their holiness, all of that is dissolved, subdued, and dissolved through the good, the holiness, and the light within that chacham that is giving over the drasha, that is giving over the Torah. Okay? And so by being present there, and this is something that touches on what we spoke about in Torah Yutet. In Torah 19, we spoke about the the power of being present when the tzaddik gives over the Torah, that with that lifts it lifts up the people that are there listening to the tzaddik directly and looking, gazing upon his holy face. And so this is, is happening here. Rabbi Nachman is pointing to this happening here. He's pointing out to, to this point as here as well. Okay, and he says that when the tzaddik is giving over the Torah, the, any negativity within the congregants, the people surrounding him that came to hear within the students, is subdued and um, dissolved through the good, through the holiness of the tzaddik. And says Rabbi Nachman, according, he says that when this negativity is subdued and dissolved, in the same way, any klipot or any enemies that are surrounding the supernal heavenly heart are also subdued and dissolved. Okay? And so these people that are surrounding the tzaddik to receive the Torah from the tzaddik, they are kind of like in place, okay, the negativity within them, any negativity that might be in them, any deficiency, doesn't have to be actually called negativity, any deficiency within them, deficiency of holiness, deficiency of connection within them, is paralleling any klipot that may be surrounding the supernal heavenly heart. And so through the fact that they are now surrounding the tzaddik, they are kind of like an ambassador. Through them, uh, through the dissolving of the negativity within them that happens by the process of being present with the tzaddik, and through the light of the tzaddik, what happens is that through that, that causes that also any negativity, any klipots, any enemies, quote-unquote, surrounding the supernal heart are also subdued and eliminated, dissolved and eliminated. And so that's what Rabbi Nachman says. These are the klipot that are surrounding the supernal heavenly heart. And where do we see this concept that there are these enemies and these klipot that are surrounding the supernal heart, the heavenly heart? So he brings us a pasuk, a pasuk in Yecheskel that says, and it's represented in this pasuk, this idea. The Pasuk says, Zot Yerushalayim samtia This is Yerushalayim. I have said it in the midst of the nations. So right away we see that Yerushalayim is surrounded by all of these other nations that are trying to uh, they're trying to uh, invade. This is what happened, right? They were they tried to invade Yerushalayim and to take out the Jews and to kill the Jews. Right? And so these are the enemies that are surrounding Yerushalayim, and they represent the klipot that are surrounding the supernal heart that try to steal away its life energy. We spoke about this in the 
uh, previously many times. We spoke about the concept of the Malchut, the Shechina, is called Ragleha Yorudot Mavit. Her legs, her feet, uh, fall into the abyss. Okay, they descend into the abyss, into the place of the klipot. And those klipot, they try to steal away her energy, her life source. Okay, she has receives the energy from the holy worlds. And the klipot, they don't have any life source on their own. They don't have an existence on their own. Any existence that they have is to the extent that they, they succeed in concealing the light. In swallowing up the light. That's what it means, concealing the light, right? And so they try to steal and swallow up the light of the malchut in order for their existence to continue because as we know when they when they cease to be able to uh swallow up that light and the, all the light is returned back to its rightful place to the malchut of hashem right to hashem's kingship so then those klipot those forces of concealment of of, of which are which is basically the source of all evil they will cease to exist okay and that's what will happen in the time of the final redemption uh, completely. It happens every day on some level, but it will happen completely at the time of the Geula Shalema. And so, this is Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim represents the Malchut. Yerushalayim represents the Malchut, and it represents the supernal heart. Okay, so there's a Yerushalayim Shalmala. There's a Yerushalayim in, in, in the spiritual realm that is, that is the spirit, this is the supernal heart. Okay, it's the heart of the world. Okay. David HaMelech live this life from this place okay we know we see through Tehillim that's what David HaMelech is the heart of, of Israel David is the heart of Israel because this is where he lived his life from okay he lived his life connected to this heart everything that he spoke all of his words all of his Tehillim came from this place and so uh, that's David that's the heart that's the Yerushalayim Shalmala and it is also surrounded by all of these nations that want to invade and want to cause destruction, okay? They are the klipot that are surrounding the supernal heart. And so this is the concept, says Rabbi Nachman, we see it, this is idea is represented in this pasuk in Yechezkel. Ve'hi lev, says Rabbi Nachman, Yerushalayim is the heart. Bebchinat daberu alev Yerushalayim, right? From, from the pasuk in Yeshayahu. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem. Speak to the heart of Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is the heart. Okay, it's the heart of the world. And so now that we understand this concept that through the light, the good, the positivity and the tzaddik, all the negativity and the congregants, any deficiency in their holiness is subdued, dissolved and eliminated. Well, how does that happen? Okay, so we said in general, we said it happens to the good and the tzaddik. But Rabbi Nachman is going to get into more detailed explanation of what that what what is that process. And says Rabbi Nachman, this is the concept of Moshe Rabbeinu's staff that Hashem said to Moshe, take your staff and gather the congregation, gather the nation. Well, what was the purpose of the staff? purpose of the staff was not to be used to bring forth the water. No, the purpose of the staff explains us, Rabbi Nachman. Hashem wanted Moshe to take the staff because part of this process is to eliminate the enemies surrounding the supernal heart. Okay, and that happens through the staff of the tzaddik. 
it eliminates any negativity in the congregants, any deficiency in their alignment to the Torah and the Mitzvah, their alignment to Hashem. And that's the purpose of the staff. And that we'll see more about in the next Shir Bezrat Hashem.